Coming to you from the heart of the Pacific Northwest, with mouths as big as the Columbia River, egos as tall as Mount Rainier, smooth as the drive from Vancouver, B.C. to Portland, Oregon, it's the Northwest Convergence Zone. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. Good to have everybody here. Hope you had a good week. I know we did. Uh, a little tough for us allergy sufferers, though. This uh, pollen-infested geodome in which we live can be tough. And it was also tough, man, because I was in Vegas for a week, and I was also in Hawaii for a week where it was nice and sunny, and then it was, like, rainy and gray all week long. That's no fun. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we made it, and I hope you guys are having a great spring out there. And uh, I'm Big D. Let's go around the room and introduce everybody. Hello, everyone. As always, greetings and salutations from the man cave in the city of a current three-game Mariner losing streak. Yes. Yes, Tacoma, Washington. Well, they're in Seattle, but that's okay. We, yeah, we claim them. Yeah, the Raiders are here. Yeah, This is Double D, and it's a pleasure to be here, especially without having the cops getting me this week. What, were they chasing you? Well, last week they were called on me, so, you know. <laughs> oh, so now you've gone a whole week yeah. without any cop interaction? Right. And it's got to be a record, my man. Almost. Right. So, but oh. I, actually, <laughs> I, I also want to uh, get some of that sun out there, like what you're talking about, so that we can get some of my grass growing that I've been trying to grow. Oh, man, you know, I had to mow my, I mowed my lawn last Sunday, and then it was because of the rain and the kind of the sun mix and going on. I had to mow it again, like, yesterday. It, less than a week. Twice mode, I don't know, I, I, wrong fertilizer <laughs> yeah. or something. No, it's, well, just it, to make sure everybody knows, I'm talking about the grass on my lawn, not any other Yeah, kind of we grass. know what grass you're, you're talking you're about. Okay, just What's just, that trip to Vancouver you got planned? Just no, anyway, I uh, we want to thank uh, our man Squeeze over here. He's the sound guy, and we couldn't do it without him. And, of course, Wonder Boy, who will be running for mayor at some point in the near future. <laughs> That's right, and that <laughs> will require him uh, disavowing all knowledge of his dad. Yes. yes. Uh, maybe you can bail your sorry butt out. <laughs> All right. Hey, no, this was a big, uh, big week. It was a fun week, actually. I had a, had a couple of cool events that I went to. Are you guys familiar with this uh, thing called Hundredth Monkey? You guys know what this is about? Uh, only I've uh, ever been to the fiftieth Monkey, so <laughs> I am not familiar with that. You can't make it to the hundred yet. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never get that far. <laughs> well, the Hundredth Monkey is it's right here in Tacoma, and it is uh, it's where the arts community gets together. It's every other month, and on Wednesday we all met down at the Speakeasy. It was actually my first time, and it was cool though. A lot of people that we've had on our show, the the Painkillers played at it. I saw Deborah Page and Paul Yule, and Glenn, our buddy, was down there, and cool. John Markard, and a lot of people were down there that we know, and got to meet a lot of cool people. Met Ron, who owns the Volcano. He was a super nice guy, and we're going to try to have him on the show as soon as we can make that happen. But I recommend everybody go to their website. I think it's a hundredth and monkey dot org or doc just google it up 100th monkey in tacoma it's a fun event teddy was down there senior teddy haggerty oh, yes. and it was just a good time had by all i highly recommend that event and i got to buy two sock uh sock monkeys and we got we have them in the cave and they are uh, they're watching over us as we speak so <laughs> and on uh, friday i went down to hell's kitchen and our buds from the uh big wheel stunt show were on the bill Laid it down big time, man. These remember these guys are going to be on our show. Yes, and I'm telling you, Evan. Well, first of all, stuntman Mike, great on the bass. 
and Justin pounds it out on the skins. Evan is just fun to watch. He's not only is he a really good guitar player, the guy is just all over the stage. He's falling down. He's on his knees doing the windmill via, you know, Townsend nice. going back on his knees like Hendrix. I mean, the guy's all over. They're just fun to watch. And, you know, listening to uh, their uh, latest disc, I can tell that they're Art Bell fans because uh, they, have, <laughs> they have a, a song on there about chemtrails. Yep, they are big. And uh, they're big into that stuff. Great guys, nice guys, fun to see them. And then while I was down there, Vile Red Falcons played. And those guys are Great sounding guys. really good. They are, uh, they've been on a slight hiatus because a couple of the band members, their wives had babies. Uh, but they're back in action, sounding really good. It's a couple of guys from the Legends of Bigfoot were down there and also the Midnight uh, Salvage Company. So a lot of cool people, a lot of good events around town. Get out there, folks. Get out, support local music, hit the venues, and uh, you know you build a community. You start building friendships, and it's, it's a lot of fun. But hey, we want to tell you about a couple of things coming up. What's going on this Friday, Joe? We are heading out to the classic Liberty Theater in the beautiful town of Puyallup. Yay! Right on the old Main Street. And we are going fun. to see uh, some guys lay it down that are very good. Sweet Kiss Mama. I'm looking forward to that. And this is a CD release show, right? It's their CD release party. And I did just talk to Jeff, uh, lead singer and all around great guy. Mainly because he brought us a case of Shiner, but uh, <laughs> yes. he, you can buy us off real easy. No <laughs> but I he mean, a half rack, you know. Yeah, yeah whatever, it. man. Anyway, he told us he told me that there are some tickets still available. So go down. Uh, you can buy them at the door and get in. It's going to be a really fun time. And then also Saturday, Double D. What are we doing on Saturday? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're driving. You better know where we're going. I am. Yes. I don't remember where. Dudley I'm... Taft. I'm driving? West Seattle at the <laughs> Feedback That's Lounge. Right. You're driving Dudley Taft to West Seattle. Do you guys know where the <laughs> Feedback Lounge is? Really? Uh, I'm I... not familiar with it, but I am a West Seattle boy, so I'm sure it's I. It's real easy. California and Fauntleroy. Oh, okay. well, of course. Yeah. Okay, as long as you guys tell me how to get there, I can get you guys home. <laughs> <laughs> That's the... Yeah, we're That's... not worried about getting there. Yeah. It's getting home. That's usually yeah, the problem. I'm, I think part. I'm the uh, designated. So, anyway, his something. Dudley Taft CD release party Saturday, Sweet Kiss, and that's in West Seattle. Sweet Kiss Mama CD release party in Puyallup. That's on Friday. Be sure to go to that. Hey, you guys read the volcano at all? Uh, occasionally. Yeah, I like the volcano. Every Thursday it comes out, man. We get a lot of information out of that. I really enjoy those guys down there. Uh, article this week, Girl Trouble. Band we've had in here. In trouble. Yes. In a little trouble. Do you hear about this? Uh, not Totally. But All right. Well, I got an idea. Here's the deal. Girl Troubles being taken to court. Uh, Gorilla Productions, Boo. this uh, company out of Ohio, is citing some uh, problems with Girl Troubles' website. Remember when Bon was in here? Bon Von Wheelie, coolest name in rock music. Absolutely. She, uh, they have a site called NeverPayToPlay.com, and they're asking that that, that site gets shut down. They're also wanting 25 grand or more, actually, from the band in defamation. Gorilla Productions. It should be gorilla like gorilla tactics. Yes. They spell it G O R I L L A. It should be G R. What how do you spell it? G U E I. Uh, gorilla fighters. Yeah. yeah it should yeah. be that. They're man. giving a bad name to gorillas. Yeah. So anyway, but the band did hire uh, seaweed guitarist and lawyer Wade Neal. So uh, I talked to Bond. You know, they might come in and talk about it. They're uh, you know they're busy right now. <laughs> they got a few things on their plate. Well, but, what they're uh, doing is a good thing, and they're trying to protect uh, young up and coming local talent from getting ripped 
ripped off, and I think it's great. So I hope they totally uh, prevail, and I hope they get Judge Judy. <laughs> so we can watch it. <laughs> yes. And I also told her anything they need from us, except cash. Uh, yes. We're behind them all the way. <laughs> we, we, yes, we'd be glad to uh, we have, be witnesses. Uh, we got like 40 bucks in the jar, so they, we would. I'd donate that to them. Oh, yes. All right. Well, the big, big doings, though, is June 5th. Saturday, June 5th, at the Stonegate. That's our buddy Jeff Call's uh, joint. It's uh, one of the hippest places in town. And we have four great bands. We have the Midnight Salvage Company. We have Big Wheel Stunt Show. We have The Legends of Bigfoot. And we have Beat Seed. It's going to start at 8 o'clock. And I'm telling you, you'll want to get there early because that place, the upstairs, once it's full, you're going to have to go downstairs. We will be broadcasting it downstairs. And as people leave upstairs, we'll replace them. But you'll want to get there early, stake out a place, and be there for the whole thing. Also, yes. talk, talk to Jeff this uh, past week. For that night only, special drink. The zone. The zone. Yes, because if you drink it, you're going to be put in a zone. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, Double D is going to pick out what's going to be in this drink. And since, you know, I don't drink, it might just be Boo. water. No, no, no. <laughs> no That's no. the wussy zone. Yeah, no Double That's what D I got. on the, uh, the uh, <laughs> menu there. Uh -uh, no. Also, uh, we're just going to tell you about this now. We'll be talking about it a little more. Uh, the first... 200 people there are going to receive a laminate with a almost all-access all pass. Now, you're going to want to get one of these because we're also going to be doing concerts in the future. First 200 there, get a laminate. You come to any event we put on in the future, half off. That's right. That's a good deal. Plus, at, the show, at our big first anniversary shindig party, we're going to be giving away lots of stuff, and you'll want one of those because we'll be drawing numbers, and they'll, have to, they'll coordinate with the laminates, so that way you'll be in the running to win stuff. That's right. Must be present to win. Yeah, you got to be there. It's going to be fun. A lot of I'm hearing from a lot of people. Uh, it's going to be packed. That's why I say I, I highly recommend that you get there early. All right. Hey, we got some two stellar guests this week. And our first guest is a guy who I really like. And the Northwest, not known for country music. Let's be honest. Okay, there's, uh, there's, some, there's country fans out there. And we have some country radio stations. Not a lot of country performers. That's right. But we have who I think is the best one right now. And his name is Jonathan Harris. We caught up with him. Here's what he had to say. All right, today with us we have an individual who I am... Extremely impressed with. We've, we've been trying to get him for quite some time, and he's a very busy man. I'm impressed not only with his musical talent and his pursuit of excellence in that craft, but the fact that he gives back to the community. He's a real community guy, and um, his name is Jonathan Harris. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And now let's, let's go to the beginning. You grew up in Tacoma. Where did you grow up? Which part of town? Where'd you go to school? I uh, grew up off. Of, well, I, I started out in Gig Harbor. Well, born on, born in North J Street, moved to Gig Harbor, and then came <laughs> over here in the fifth grade, and that's pretty much where my memory starts uh, off of uh, Vickery Road, over towards the Midland area. Okay, and what school? Did, where were you going to school? I started out at Central Ave, went to Ford uh, Junior High, and then uh, over to Franklin Pierce. So you, oh, Franklin Pierce graduate. Yeah. Very good. Yep. They got to be proud over there, right? Well, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when did you first become interested in 
music. I know uh, we have a rich history here in the Northwest of rock music mm-hmm. and uh, not a lot of what I would say the you know country music comes out of here. There's a few, but right. uh, not a whole lot. So how did you get interested in, in music in general and then find your groove in country music? Uh, my whole family is very musical, so I grew up in it. Um, I've got brothers that teach over at Ted Brown. I've got uh, one brother that does opera, uh, another brother that was my drummer for seven years. Um, so I've, I've always done music. Um, as far as getting into country music, uh, just I, I, I met my wife. <laughs> started listening to country music. I was never allowed to listen to country not, music growing not up. The, not the sad kind. No, 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 no. The good kind. The good okay, kind. good. Yeah, the happy no. country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I was never li- allowed to listen to country music, rock music, anything else growing up. It was it had to be Christian music. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. So yeah. a pretty strict Christian home? Yeah. 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 And so what were you listening to? Could you listen to Christian rock or? Um, kind of, sort of, a little bit. Dad didn't like it too much, but yeah. uh, that's all right. I, <laughs> Sneak a little I, Michael W. Smith in there or something? Well, yeah. And then I, <laughs> I found my way to find my tapes and, you know, went sure. through the the other stages and <laughs> <laughs> i know that feeling so, yeah uh, we got a, a tbs grad right over here so oh, okay all right there you go <laughs> so um did you start taking lessons at some point i mean i know you're a great guitar player and i'm just curious were you self-taught did you take lessons did you have a guru somebody you aspired to be like not really i i've i mean i, I picked up a guitar up at summit trading on a post-it board took the card off called the person and um, my dad and I always used to play my dad's, but he was he had his ovation strung up with heavy heavy gauge strength. Was, <laughs> couldn't even hardly play it. But um, and, and so I, I self taught for a little bit. You know, learned the basic chords and then went out and got lessons from there. And um, I'm not near the guitar player that I'd love to be, but uh, yeah, I can play chords to to accompany myself. Singing. Spoken like a true guitar player, right there. <laughs> no guitar player is ever satisfied. <laughs> so now, from picking up a guitar, learning some chords, and uh, you know, you found your voice. Did you sing in church or anything? I oh mean, yeah, you've been singing. Sang quite... in church, sang in uh, school choir. Okay, uh, played French horn for four years. Um, so you had a musical grounding. Yeah, got your guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the first song you penned down? Oh mercy. I don't. I don't. I think I, I need to think about that. <laughs> well, then, okay, well, take us from uh, taking some lessons to uh, thinking about, I think I could make a go of this. So let's give this a shot. What was that? How did that transition go? I, I had a friend of mine that was, um, that, well, I was singing, I was singing at weddings and different things, funerals, just, you know, anywhere I could, I could uh, go out and perform. Right. Um, and then I had a buddy that, I had known from uh, worked at Fred Meyer. I did not work there, but I just I went in there a lot. And he had just joined a band, and their lead singer was moving to Maine. So I got the call to come out and try out for them. And they said, you know, you're, you're here, do it. <laughs> what was the name of that band? That was Cowboy Up. Okay. Yep. And did you take any of those guys with you into the Jonathan Harris band? No, it went well. Yes, it was Cowboy Up, and then it stopped there, and it went to Long Rider, and then it went to Jonathan Harris and Long Rider, and then it went to Jonathan Harris, and that's the way it's been. So, <laughs> very good. Well, you have three CDs, and the the latest one out is is titled "Where Concrete Don't Grow." Yep. Let's listen to a track off of that. The title of this is "She Was." 
on the outside has always been the story of my life. No one ever got the best of me. Thought I was in control of my destiny. But on the inside, I was gun shy. Never could look love in the eye. Tried to keep my heart protected. But then came the unexpected. I remember the moment I saw forever coming into view. She was standing there like an angel shining. Sent to me with perfect timing. The only one that could turn. So the title of that song is She Was. It's off the CD where concrete don't grow. Our guest is Jonathan Harris. Now, Jonathan, you are quite the player around town. I see you guys gig a lot. Any particular uh, favorite spot you have to play? I, uh, well, I I love playing it, just, just anywhere period. anywhere I can play. Anywhere yeah. you can set it up. It yeah, it is the funnest. I think uh, when we can get a good dance crowd out there, people that are enjoying themselves that have the the room to dance. A lot of the rooms that we play are. Um, a little more of a showroom type thing where we have to be a little more entertaining and yeah. and uh, telling some jokes and and do a little more work that way. Um, but you know, like over at uh, the Sportsman's Club where they got a nice big wood dance floor. I mean, people just love it and it just packs out. Great. Yeah, I mean, three hundred and some people at our last one. <laughs> awesome. It was just this big old honky tonk. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, I'm used to those being from down south. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about your bandmates. Who's in your band, and how how'd you guys come together? Well, I'll start with the uh, long the longtime guy, uh, Mark Kissner, and he's been uh, around the area for quite some time. He's my lead guitar player. Um, fantastic guy. I call him. I call him Butterfingers. He just. <laughs> he's a great player. Um, he also is a, a tree trimmer for OHOP Mutual. He gets gets up there, climbs trees, and then comes and plays guitar at night. Wow. Yeah, talented guy though. Yeah. Uh, um, and he's been with me for uh, over five years now. Um, next one, uh, Tony Douglas. I play with off and on. He's my steel guitar and fiddle player, and I've been playing off and off and on with him since ninety uh, eight. And so he's he's just fantastic steel guitar player and fiddle player. Yeah, um, great guy. Um, Dave Jetty is my drummer from. Uh, he's in the Seattle area right now. He's one from uh, originally from Fort Worth, Texas. Nice and uh, <laughs> yeah, Hua, Texas. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> just drum. He he's known as the Shuffle King. Oh, and he can lay down a mean shuffle. Any any bass player that comes out and watches us play, they just they they're in awe. How did you get? You are so lucky to be able to play with him. <laughs> so, and yes, we are. We're blessed to have Dave on board. He is a great guy. Um, and then uh, bass player, I'm playing with a few different guys right now. Um, uh, Scott Simmons being my my main bass player that I'm running with, um, and then Ray Nines who played with me for five years. He's filling in and and because he's gone on to different projects, but he played. Uh, he was with us at the Benefit mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, and then. Uh, also, uh, just anybody else that I can I can find <laughs> round up, <laughs> find the pro. Yeah, find the guys. We've got everything charted out, so uh-huh. I mean the guys can step in and lay it right down. Nice. Yeah. So do you ever? I, I've seen you twice, and both times it was with your band. Do you ever go out and just do solo gigs? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we did a benefit uh, here recently for um, uh, behind the Batch Foundation, or actually I did. Mm-hmm. Um, just me and my guitar. Um, and it, you know, here and there, yeah, we're talking about doing another one in the future here. So good, yeah, yeah. It's fun to do that. It's fun to throw something different out there, 
where you know usually everybody's used to the band coming out and the whole band the whole band and then there you are you know throw it out there just acoustically <laughs> i like to bring mark out and have him bring his acoustic too and lay some nice little riffs in the background and <clears throat> fills it out a little bit great well i gotta ask you of all the venues you've played <laughs> have you ever played in a venue like Bob's Country Bunker, you know, the the one in the Blues Brothers movie with the chicken wire, you know, where they're throwing the beer bottles and stuff? <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't played anything like that. Uh, I mean, I've played at clubs that uh, uh, were robbed the night before or shootings were three weeks ago. And um, I won't name any names, but you know who you are. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go into another song. This is the title track off the album. Where Concrete Don't Grow is the name of the album and the song, our guest, Jonathan Harris. I'm tired of the city lights turning night to day. Don't want to sit on a back porch around a campfire in a cage. Too many cars, too many planes flying over my head. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I packed a change in a knapsack for a two-night getaway. Got a cooler full of ice, enough beer to last three days. Ready to go, I wanna run. I'm about to come undone. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Where the rivers run and the eagles fly, snow-capped mountains touch the sky. You can see for miles. All right, we got to pull that down because I'm all of a sudden uh, driving down a country road in Texas, man. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's some great stuff right there, I got to tell you. Um, growing up in Texas, you know, I was exposed to a lot of country music and mm -hmm. a lot of good country music. And I'm so impressed with what you have laid down here. It really stands up. And I see big things for you. I, I really do. And let's shift gears, though, and talk a little bit about your giving back, your contributions. Um, I know when the Lakewood officers, we had that tragedy mm -hmm. and they had the big memorial at the Tacoma Dome. Uh, they chose your song to play. And also um, when this last officer was shot, didn't you go out and, and do a, uh, a memorial gig or something for that? Yeah. And I know you're really involved in the troops. Tell us, tell us about that. Now, because there's a lot of artists out there who kind of you know say oh yeah that was really sad but you actually get involved and i'm curious how that comes about and, and what is it in you that draws you towards that well i i, I don't know I, I've never, I haven't been asked that before uh it just i it's a i don't, I don't know if i should say it's a calling i i just mm -hmm. feel i feel drawn to to help people out mm -hmm. um it's not uh it's not all but, about but in this day and age there's a lot of adversary towards the police and, and even the military from certain sectors yeah and we don't have you don't hear a lot of people supporting them it's almost become politically correct to not support them true but you have shunned all of that and said no i support this i support the troops i support mm -hmm. the police and all of this have you caught any flack for that? Have you gotten all support from that? Uh, what's going on with that? Um, you know, there's there's a few emails here and there that that come in, and you know, oh, you're just doing this for just to you know get your name out there and whatnot. And so, uh, 
say what you want. <laughs> I, I'm I'm doing what I've I'm doing what I feel like I should do, and yeah, you know, I, I haven't accept. I have not taken a dime for mm-hmm. any of the benefits I uh, have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I I was. I consider it an honor to have been able to sing for Deputy Mundell's memorial service. Um, I, I don't take anything for that. Mm-hmm. Once this song is uh, the "Thanks to You, I'm Free" song, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next. Yeah, that once that's released, um, all of the profits from the single are going to go to the Wounded Warriors Project. Really? So uh, it's 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 just it's it's. Uh, so is it going to be sold as a as a single CD or as an EP or is it going to be like on, on uh, iTunes? You can just download the single. Well, I want to. Yeah, it'll probably go on iTunes more than likely. But then also, what we're gonna we've got some cool plans going on for the cd mm-hmm. uh what we want to do is have a space inside to where people can sign the cd i can I'm, we're going to sell them cheaper if you sign if you buy the cd and you sign it thanks thank you mm-hmm. i appreciate your you know just whatever message you want to give to a soldier and your name and give it back to us and we're going to give them in the you know in the thousand box type uh region back to the soldiers Oh really? And so we want to. That's our that's our goal here is to get this song out so, overseas and 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 also around the nation. So if I buy, excuse me, if I buy a copy of the CD, mm-hmm. and 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 I like it, is it is it cool if I, you know, download it on, <clears throat> download it onto my computer and then sign it and send it off? Oh yeah, I, I'm 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 not going to stop you from doing that no, at all. I, because but, because if I like the if I like the song, sure, <clears throat> I want to listen to it over and over. But if I sign sure. it and send it out, so what if maybe buy two copies? Right, that's maybe that's the idea. Well, yeah, and what we're going to do is we I, I want to make it cheap enough to where you can just buy it. Where you know you can lay down ten bucks and I'll give you five CDs. You sign all of them, give them back to me. Right, we'll put them all in the other box, and then we're going to get you know in all the. All the logistics aren't set up yet. Yeah, oh yeah, but um, that's what we want to do. We want to we want a, a copy of this song in the hands of every soldier. And the name of the song is "Thanks to You, I'm Free." Now, tell us how that came about. That's a very interesting story. How this this song, how how it even came to you? Yeah, um, a place called Samurai's Japanese Steakhouse out by the Roy Y. They put on a, a, a luncheon for 100 wounded warriors. They had them out there and and. Uh, did all the chicken and fried rice and <laughs> yummy food. Yes. I can't start talking about that because I get too hungry. <laughs> um, but they had called me up and asked if I would come out and perform for, for the group mm-hmm. during that day. Um, I, I said, yes, I'd love to, and but I, I didn't want to do a cover song. And <laughs> and uh, so I wrote uh, I wrote a song, Thanks to You, I'm Free. Well, let's it's listen the only thing to, I could think of. Let's listen to some of that. This is Thanks to You, I'm Free. This is Jonathan Harris's brand new single, and this is the one that will be available here soon for you to buy, sign, and send to a soldier. You don't know my name or my family, the way I live or what I believe. I've only thought to walk your path But when it came down to the fight You had my back And you knew the consequence The price was high and you made a choice and you sacrificed I'll never know The hell 
endured for me to bring life and liberty. Thanks to you, I'm free. And that was Thanks to You, I'm Free. What a great song. I think that's a great project, Jonathan. I really do. Kudos to you. Thank uh, you. Sign us up for several copies. Okay, will do. Absolutely. <laughs> Tr- truthfully, we, we would like to contribute to that. Sure. Now, tell us a little bit about your family. I, I, I think it was on your website or somewhere I read that you met your wife at the Puyallup Fair. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about that. Well, a buddy of mine, uh, we had grabbed a bottle of uh, of happy juice and uh <laughs> and went down to uh to the piala fair just to uh see how many uh phone numbers we could get you know we were we were still in our teenage years and searching for digits and uh yeah exactly <laughs> and um ran into uh, a couple of girls down there and to this day he is married to uh the one that he met and the one that i met was with his wife right they were they were there at the fair together and i'm <laughs> Married to my wife and two two boys, two boys and uh, another little uh, little angel on the way. We oh, congratulations! Thank you much. Very yeah, nice. Just past twelve weeks today, so uh, oh, you're yeah, in the safe zone. Coming, coming along, yeah, great. So now you live out in Graham, is that correct? Yeah, and you have a ranch out there. Well, we call it our five acre ranch. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's more than we have here in the city. <laughs> <laughs> and so, who were? Let's just get down to who your musical influences were who who were you who were you listening to that influenced you you know when you were learning guitar and that kind of pulled you towards the country vein randy travis not a bad choice yeah right there yeah I, I, that's I, and that's one of the have you seen him main guys yeah 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 seen him um you know and as as far as the longevity thing i mean i love george Strait. um in Texas, <laughs> nothing wrong with George Strait. Yeah, yes. uh, he's just he's got a great style and mm-hmm. just a, just a, a cool vibe about him. Now you shared the stage with some pretty big names too, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah. Tell us about that. Who who have you opened for? Um, well, we've uh, where do I start with that? Uh, <laughs> Red Akins, um, Chad Brock, Trick Pony, uh, Charlie Daniels, Merle, Merle Haggard. Haggard. Yeah. Did you get to meet um, any of these guys? Yeah. Yeah. Here and there, some of them. Yeah. Some of them are in and out real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we did a three-day run with Sammy Kershaw. Nice. Um, yeah. We uh, we played for uh, uh, President when he came out to uh, Fort Lewis. President Bush when he came to Fort. Tell Lewis. Tell us how that was. Is that nerve-wracking to have the president out there watching, was, or you just zone it out? You just yeah, just kind of zone it out. And it, it was so early in the morning. We had to be uh, <laughs> we had to be over at Gallup and Gertie's at. Uh, what was it, four thirty or something like that? And then the <laughs> and this van pulled up because we had got we had to go in and set everything up the day before and have it. And then the security team came in, swept everything. Right. And then uh, and then we come in the next morning, and so we're playing at six o'clock in the morning. Um, but it was it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, you get to shake his hand? No, no, I didn't get to get near him. <laughs> but uh, still an honor to be able to play. And, and also, it was, what, 10,000 troops there this, oh, that morning, too. So yeah. it was very, uh, very cool to be able to, to be a part of that. That would be great. Now, the name of your record label is Region 1 Records in Nashville. How, how did you sign that deal? Well, I had a, uh, and some of the things have changed since then, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, <laughs> a friend of mine that uh, that uh, I knew, and, and he got me in touch with, the region one um from there region one went to uh was sold to um 
Envisioneer. And from Envisioneer, I'm now with Big Picture. Oh. So. <laughs> so it went through it's, a couple of the, changes, which is the music business. Exactly. Uh, you know, in the a typical nutshell. label. Uh, yeah, it just. Dropping and picking. Yeah. Have you ever seen the chart where it has the two big main country companies and then it all branches yeah. down? It's insane. Oh, yeah. And they have to update it every year. Yep. You know, yeah. Just, every month. Yeah. Every, <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, I just, you know, for, kid from Tacoma, uh, I, we're really proud of you. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you in here. And like I said, we see big things for you i'm just curious where do you see yourself what what kind of goals have you set are you just riding this to see where it goes or do you have you have aspirations to travel across the country on a tour and you know i i would love to um i'm my problem is i'm too responsible (laughs) i've got the mortgage i've got my kids and i'm not willing to to i don't want to you know lack in any area for Mm -hmm. for that for my family um, but I, I definitely, if, if, when it can be done right, and which I'm hoping that that's very soon, mm-hmm. um, I, I would love nothing more than to, uh, than to play music for a living and, and travel the country and, and, uh, and share. Well, I think you're laying a great foundation for it. You've got a big following already, and I think it's only going to grow, grow from there. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Jonathan Harris, man, you like that? I like it a lot. Yeah, I think he's got a really good. Uh, he's got the sound, and that he's from uh, the Northwest Convergence Zone, and laying it down like that is really cool. Yeah, I thought it was very nice of him to come in. It was hard to get him, man. He's a busy guy and a dad, and he's got lots going on. So it was fun to catch up with Jonathan Harris. But uh, hey, it's time for some birthdays. Now, with birthdays of the living, here's a Northwest Convergence Zone's own Prince of the Pinata, Big D. <laughs> I still don't understand that. Smash and grab. <laughs> Run, kids. He's got a bat. All right. This week, birthdays of the living. Uh, the man you're hearing right now. One of my all-time favorite country musicians. Me too. And this song, love it. Uh, I've been to his uh, the Willie Nelson birthday party in Texas several years. Always a fun party. Willie Nelson, born on the 30th of this fine month, makes him 76. Happy birthday, Willie. Happy birthday, I have to say, I have never heard the song in my life. You are kidding me. No, I am not. Do you know who Willie Nelson is? Yes, I know who Willie Nelson is, but I... I have wow. never heard this song. I know that's... <laughs> I can't believe that. All right. Well, also, uh, a guy who I used to listen to a lot when I was in my teens. He had a great show on every weekend, yeah. The Big Countdown. Casey Kasem. He was also Shaggy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in Scooby-Doo. On Scooby-Doo. He was born on the 27th. He will be 77. And then the man... Wait. And as always, remember, keep, keep your, your feet, feet on, on the ground, ground and keep, keep reaching, reaching for the stars. stars. All right. And this next guy, say hello to my little friend. And he's done so many great <laughs> movies, know. but that's the one line everybody knows him and, from. And the movie with the world record of F-bombs Oh, jeez, man. Yeah. I think somebody actually calculated it one time. <laughs> what, 500 or something? Oh, it was like one every like five seconds. Oh, anyway, Al Pacino, the man. The godfather. The Well, yeah, he was the godfather. You're yeah. right. Right. So uh, he was born on the 25th in 1940. He will be 69. No, he w- would he be 70? Uh, well, it's coming up. He, yeah. He's, okay. he's going to get there. All right. There we go. <laughs> anyway, birthdays of the living for you. Now, with birthdays from beyond, here's the Northwest Convergence Zone's answer to Art Bell, Big Joe. Yes. All right.
right, well, we are going to start with a legendary blues master. And, uh, not Homer. No, but this is, this is this legendary blues master song as sung by Homer Simpson. Born Under a Bad Sign, originally performed by Albert King, the master of the Flying V guitar. Flying V, man. Uh, born April 25th, 1923. Would have been 86 years old. And uh, Double D, can you name the other two kings of blues guitar? No, I cannot. Uh, can Bueller? you name any other blues musicians? Born Under a Bad Sign. B.B. Uh, King. That's Whoa, one of the other kings yeah. of blues okay. guitar. That was, like, uh, that was nice. Yeah, nice. Pull that one out. out. Yeah. And uh, the see. other is Freddie King. Those are the three kings of blues guitar. Wouldn't and, have guessed that one. And, uh, uh, okay. you know, BB's guitar was Lucille, and Freddie's guitar, or excuse me, Albert's guitar was Lucy. Lucy. All right. And we roll into... Uh, Who it, also happened to be an ape. <laughs> That's right. The, the Neanderthal And gorillas. <laughs> that has something to do with gorillas. All right. Uh, April 25th, 1874. Uh, Google meal. Marconi. Hey, Marconi. If it wasn't for the Marconi, we would not be here. That's right. 135 years old if he would have lived and not been playing around with radios. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Marconi. Cool thing about Marconi that I did not know. In 1937, when he died, all the radio stations in the world, two minutes of silence. Yes. For and Double D, can you name his other invention? It wasn't the macaroni. <laughs> He was also semi-credited with the phone. Okay. So, before Bell. And that's a coincidence because Double D has used a phone before. <laughs> exactly. <I have. laughs> Once or I'm twice. just not doing very well today with these questions. So that's all right. I think this is the normal. Somebody call the cops. We, we, we do it because we love you. Yes. All right. April 29th, 1899. Last but not least, certainly. A uh, guy that went by Sir Duke Ellington. Yes. Would be 110 years old. Uh, unequal jazz musician, composer. And all you have to say with the Duke is it don't mean a thing. If it don't got that swing. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Big Joe. Hey, our next guest is somebody that I admire a ton. He is the currently the local host on the BJ Shea Experience, 99.9 KISW, 5 to 10 a.m. His website is bjaday.com. His show streams every morning off of kisw.com. I remember when he was on The Buzz. Yes. I was. Uh, I listened to him. I could listen to him actually more when he was on in the afternoon. Right. But since he moved to mornings, I have a little tougher time catching him. But he has a stellar crew on there. He's a fantastic guy. And uh, we were pleased as punch to uh, yeah. be able to chat with Lucky him. Lucky to have him. Yeah, B.J. Shay. All right, everybody on the program today with us is the man, B.J. Shay. He is on 99.9 KISW, The Rock of Seattle. He is the morning host, and his show is on from 5 to 10 a.m. He was also on the Buzz 100.7 right here in Seattle for a long time. Those of you who listen to us across the country, I don't know if you know so much about B.J., but he is an institution here. He is a great personality on the radio, and we're absolutely honored and privileged to have him on the show with us today. B.J., how are you, my man? 
Oh, I'm doing very well, Big D. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I did do a lot of bouncing around the country. So some folks in Rochester, Jacksonville, Florida, San Francisco, who knows? Some Phoenicians may know me. (laughs) Um, uh, So granted, some of those cities, I didn't last too long. But uh, if you got any listeners out there, it's good for me to sort of be able to reach them again. Yeah, well, uh, let's go to the evolution of uh, BJ Shea. Now, uh, let's go back to the beginning. And it's it's actually kind of interesting. We almost have a similar upbringing. I was uh, born in the early 60s. I was adopted. I was from the South, though. You come. You hail from Boston. Tell us about growing up in Boston and what drove you into radio. <laughs> I think what drove me into radio probably was just, uh, you know, a, a, a need to make it look like I might be somebody worth having. I think that's <laughs> the adoption thing, you know, because when you're adopted growing up in the 60s, especially in Boston where everybody's just super aggro, it, it, it's a beating, you know. And so every five seconds someone's telling you, you know, you're adopted, you know, that your real parents didn't want you. <laughs> so it's like, God, you know, one of these days I'm going to get a gig, I want to do something, and that way I can go back to those people and go, yeah, well, you know what, I don't got, I don't got my real parents, but you don't got a real job. Uh, unfortunately, I thought radio would be that incredible job to be able to throw back in their face, but it, 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 it turns out they laughed at me for being in this business because I got fired every five seconds. <laughs> now, where was, your, where was your first gig? Where, where, was the, where did you start out at? I started out at a bunch of local radio stations in the Boston area, and at one time I worked for three different radio stations in the Boston area, but they were all so small you couldn't hear each station from the other station, so there was really no direct competition, but I drove all over the place, <laughs> little communities in the Boston area, and the only way you could hear the station is if you actually crashed your car into their building, and then you could hear the station. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. If the tower yeah. fell over on your car, you could pick it up? Maybe. Only if it fell over and landed on the right side of your car. Uh, there was one station where it was it was basically on one city's local message channel on their cable. And I worked the midnight to three shifts. Showed you how good of a disc jockey I was. It was a station that nobody listened to, and yet I still could only get the graveyard shift. Um, now, were you, were, were you spinning records at this point? I was spinning records. This is back when Michael Jackson's Thriller was brand new. Yes. And um, I had a buddy with me one night, and I said, look, I know nobody's listening to me. Once in a while you wonder, is anybody listening? But I knew nobody was. As a matter of fact, I gave. I said, I'm going to give $50,000 away to the next person that called. <laughs> and the next person that called was the owner. <laughs> saying, what, are you crazy? And I was, he said, I got $50,000. I said, not a problem. I don't have any listeners. So we're just <laughs> I would have said, you win. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was kind of humbling, but you know, when, when you're that young and dumb, I, I, I just felt like, you know what, I'm on a radio somehow, some way, and you know, from there it just evolved into uh, finally getting a, a paid work, and then finally getting a big job with uh, Brother Weeze in Rochester. That was my first big gig where I was on a real show, and right. uh, and, and then from there I just bounced around the country until I got to Seattle. Yeah, you give him a lot of props on your show. I think that's very cool that you reach back and and uh, give, uh, you know, give credence to those who helped you along the way. A lot of people don't do that. They act like they did it all themselves. And I've always admired that about you. Now, tell us about when you landed in Seattle. You landed at the Buzz. 
I landed at the buzz and I just got fired in Rochester. Boy, it was really disappointing. I, I, I you know, I had thought, wow, I finally I'm going to do an afternoon talk show. Pretty much it was going to be a show just like what we're doing now. Unfortunately, the company just really didn't think that I should be doing an afternoon talk show. They gave it like one, one ratings period and then they go, you guys are horrible and eventually got fired. And it was really sad because I thought, wow, I have no job prospects whatsoever. I luckily was able to get to convince Weeze to let me come back on his show. And just as I was ready to go back to him, mornings with Weeze again, Bob Rivers calls me and says, hey, you know, there's a midday show here in Seattle I think you'd be perfect for. And Bob and I have been friends for a long time. And, and I said, well, sure, Bob, I'll audition for it, but I've never really done a talk show talk show. I've always been just doing either music or somebody's sidekick. And uh, eventually I got the audition for The Buzz, and I did it in a little closet in Rochester, and it was uh, just, it was completely effed up. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't hear the callers. The callers couldn't hear me. I was terrified. I knew nothing about Seattle, trying to pretend like I did. And uh, Luckily, I did well enough that they flew me out there for a uh, week audition, and um, and for the whole week I went out there, and it was the most beautiful week in Seattle. It was in September. The sun was out. It was gorgeous and green, and, and I just said to my wife, I said, I know I've had this job in Rochester lined up, but I said, honey, Seattle is an awesome city, and I think I've got to take this job. And little did I know I'd only have it for four months, <laughs> and then get a hiatus, which, uh, which is actually the 10th anniversary. 10 years ago that happened. Was that 10 years ago? 10 years ago this past March, I opened my big fat mouth and pissed, pissed off, off the Christians. The person, and then had to do an eight-month battle to, to get my job back, which was pretty amazing because most people thought I'd never work in the industry again. Um, we heard that a lot. There was a lot of that going around. He's done. It's over. It's, it's say goodnight. I'll tell you, Tom, you know, it's funny because I said something stupid and I, you know, it was. It was stupid because I was just trying to get a shock and a rise out of people and I could have done it a lot better or not said it at all. But I think the greatest advice I got was from Tom Likas because through the whole process, I finally get rehired and it just so happens that Tom Likas is doing a show live in Seattle and I walk in the studio and there I am and he looks at me and he smiles because he's like, I have to tell you, very rarely do you ever see people get fired and they get rehired by the same company. He said, it's an amazing thing, but I've got some advice for you. And I said, uh, all right, Tom, what's your advice? He says, get ratings, then say something stupid. <laughs> he said, you did it the other way around. That usually does not help anybody out when you say something stupid before you have any ratings. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point, Tom. I'm going to try that next time. <laughs> hey, BJ, this is Big Joe. Uh, I was uh, wondering... When uh, the buzz seemed to be firing on all cylinders, and then all of a sudden the buzz goes down, and uh, there's all this chaos, what uh, was going on behind the scenes in that whole situation? Well, Big Joe, um, it's interesting because when when the buzz went down, we knew it was we knew that we were going to be out of the buzz. We were doing a lot of negotiations. We we really you know at some point wanted to do a morning show. I felt like we could, and we had a good stable of people there. Plus, there were other people we wanted to bring on board, and so I, I knew we were. Gonna, we, we were going to make that happen. We negotiated, negotiated, and when we got the new deal, it, we, we were going to do more into KISW and Howard left. What I didn't know is that they were going to blow up the entire buzz. I thought for sure they were going to just leave it the way it was, maybe even put Miles and Thrill the men's room on in the mornings. Uh, they really were very closed-mouthed about what was going to happen with the rest of the station. And, and so I, I had no idea. And I walk in that day, and all of a sudden there's country music coming out of the buzz, and we never even got a chance to tell our listeners, hey, guess what? We're going to go over to KISW. Please tune in. 
that was supposed to happen. That didn't happen. And then there was this big press conference that they were going to have because we did this bags over our head, like who's going to succeed Howard Stern, and it was we it was us wearing bags over our heads. But then they had this press conference they were going to stage and invited TV stations down there. And I walk in the press conference, and they you know they had some people to fill out the seats just in case not enough folks showed up. And there are Miles Thrill, Ted, and the guys from the men's room, and. I hadn't, they, nobody told me they were going to be on KISW either. I just knew they blew up the buzz. And I'm like, holy mackerel. I go, I walk in, I go, are you kidding me? Not, are they, they're going to make these poor bastards sit here at a press conference while they just got fired? <laughs> and I walk, I walk in and I'm really feeling bad. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I, 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 why did they got you here? And they go, oh, we knew why they got us here. I said, how could they fire you and make you sit here? And they go, no, dude, we're the afternoon show. <laughs> and they said, you didn't know? I go, no, you know, these these guys really did a good job not telling me a damn thing. <laughs> wow, you know, that's interesting because I remember when that all went down and I remember you talking about that press conference on the air and I thought that was all made up. I really thought that was a joke when you told that story. No, I, I you know, and I don't know, maybe I'm gullible or naive or whatever, but I was so, or maybe too narcissistic because I was really just wrapped up in my own deal. So I didn't, you know, <laughs> and, and the company really tried to keep it all quiet. And I guess there was a leak. And that's why they said, all right, well, we're going to go flip the country sooner than we wanted to. Um, and uh, of course, the rest is history. The men's room have been just knocking it out of the park every afternoon for us. And uh, yeah, they're good. On wood for us, we've had a nice run in the mornings. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great station, man. I, I very rarely do you get to work for a station where you get along with everybody, there's success. It just doesn't happen a lot. And I, gosh, I know I've been a part of the not a lot times. <laughs> <laughs> well, take us behind the scenes of your crew. You have, you've assembled quite a crew there. You got Double R, Top Shelf, The Rev, um, Ano Nick, Steve the Producer, and it seems to be quite successful. I remember back to the uh, Brad days when it was just yeah. you, Brad, and Toppy. And we got our first girl, too. We have our first full time, you know, our, our first remember the show uh, uh, Vicky Barcelona and she, uh, she she finally cracked the man pro the man <laughs> it's, and I it's surprising because many folks thought there's no way that's ever going to happen and we, right. didn't and we didn't intentionally say look no woman allowed though the, the, the core of the show is just us guys talking and so she very rarely is on there but she's really good behind the scenes and uh, yeah but I'll tell you it's it's quite a crew Top Shelf has been with me the longest and he's actually the longest tenured employee which is unbelievable but yeah He's been a he's been a radio for a long time here in Seattle. Yeah, and uh, you know he runs our board and laughs like a hyena, and people <laughs> still think he's a laugh track. It's kind of it's a bit frustrating because he sounds like old school laugh track radio. But since he's a real guy, people somehow when they find out go, oh, that's pretty bizarre. That you I mean you don't tell him to do that? He just does that, and you know then people really get a kick out of it. They go, geez, this guy is what the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> Because they get that we don't prompt them. We, as a matter of fact, that sometimes we just find it an annoyance, and we go, "Toppy, do you have to laugh at everything like that?" And he just can't stop it. Yeah, the people um, I found people either love it or they are they hate it or they're like agog about it. Like, really, that's real? Yeah. Once people find out it's real, they kind of have a different opinion of it, and then once they, you know, and and we, you know, we try to explain it as much as possible. It's been, you know, it's funny because we've had jobs where people wanted to give us a job, but they said, "Don't bring him." And really? 
Yeah, and I, it was tough for me because I would say to the guys, I said, look, I know you find him annoying, but he's something that people pay attention to. And in our business, if you're trying to do something new and you want people with all the, you know, the bombardment of, of entertainment and messages people get, I go, look, he stands out. And yeah, and then we address it when we tell him, hey, look, the guy's an idiot. What do you want us to do? <laughs> and, and then people sort of warm up to it. Uh, you know, we were, uh, Jay Moore was on our show and he thought for sure it was a girl or a laugh track, and then when we told him what it was about, he then was he was just really puzzled and then intrigued and then had a good time just trying to make Toppy laugh. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's the trouble is people think it's fake, but when they find out it's not, it seems like they you know there's something that then they like Toppy, and then all of a sudden they can't do without him. They go, "Geez, we really need that guy when he's not there," and it's weird. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, but you know, at least in Seattle, we tend to knock on would be doing well with Toppy. So I, I just couldn't take him off the show uh, as much as some of these so-called experts around the country wanted him off. And what about your relationship with Double R? Double R is uh, a guy like Brad where I really wouldn't want to work with either one of them, and yet <laughs> I know that people love the dynamic of me going crazy working with people I shouldn't be. Yes. And so I intentionally look for somebody who I go, there's no way I'd work with that guy. There's just no way my anal retentive self could work <laughs> with that guy, which means it's going to be very entertaining when I try. Let's hire him. Right. And it's, you know, I, I curse myself because my, uh, my my creative self says, this will be great radio, but then my other self says, but you're the one that has to deal with this. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, Double R is a great guy, and he also knows his job is to piss me off. He's got the greatest job in the world because he can't get fired for what he is hired to do, which right. is to basically piss me off to the point where he should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, BJ, this is Big Joe. You know, uh, you've had a lot of big guests in the past uh, on uh, The Buzz and uh, now on KSW. Uh, who are some of your favorites and uh, not-so-favorite guests that uh, you've had on? I, you know, I'm going to throw one of my not-so-favorite guests just because it was such a letdown. I don't think he's a bad person, but I was still looking forward to talking to Hugo Weaving, who played uh, Agent Smith in The Matrix. Oh, Yeah. I was so stoked. I'm such a Matrix geek, and uh, I thought, this is amazing. I, I really look forward to this interview, and I said, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to have a good time with this guy. And then, and then I asked him if he could just say B.J. Shea, but say it in the same tone as he did the Mr. Anderson. <laughs> and he was like, uh, you know what, mate, it was a long time ago. I really don't know how to say how to say it. Really? And, and I and I was really just like, you don't know how to say the catch line from the movie that's like one of the biggest catch lines ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and that was a bit of a disappointment. I thought, oh, you know, sometimes these guys that take themselves so seriously and, right. uh, you know, for wherever the kids, that, that was a big disappointment. Um, as far as, boy, as far as interviews that I loved, I guess I have to say the biggest thrill for me, because I was such a geek growing up for comic books, was uh, interviewing Marvel Comics' Stan Lee. Yes. I, I, he was, a, he was like the father I never had, and I read his columns, and I read his books, and he just seemed to really connect with me, and I never met the man, and so here I am doing a radio show, and it just so happens I get to interview Stan, and I just thought, wow, that's surreal. I never thought in my life I'd ever even meet the guy, let alone be able to interview him, and you know, he was he was everything I expected him to be and more, and so it was, he, he's part of a long guess that we've had, but he sticks out. 
Now, hey, were you just down in Vegas for the big broadcasting convention at all? I, you know, I wasn't. They, that, you know, it's funny. There are only so many conventions they let us go to, and even right. then, they, you know, this, this business is an odd business where they go, yeah, everybody but you guys need to get, like, uh, <laughs> classes and improvement. Okay. Okay. So that's more for a lot of business people. Some people, we, you know, will go down there. Uh, but for us, we go to a thing called Morning Show Boot Camp and then another one called BitFest. It's two a year. And that's really geared towards talent. Um, oh, okay. And well, the reason, and the reason I asked was because Stan Lee was at that. Well, was he down there? Yeah. Well, I know. And didn't you, you were just, weren't you down there that same week yourself? Exactly. I was down. I didn't go to his thing. I didn't get into it. But uh, he was there at the conference. I was, I was surprised. Good for him. Well, he's probably, he's, a, he's a smart guy. I, I, I'm not surprised because it's a great convention if you want to touch the business and sort of rub shoulders with all the all the people in charge of the business. I don't know how much air talent's down there because you have to miss your show, or maybe you could broadcast that costs companies money to broadcast live. So it's it's an, it's an interesting thing um, about the NAB, and it's too bad because I've been to the one that was in Seattle, and I think I was at another one in my life. No, um, the th- actually it was mostly like behind the scenes guys. It was mostly like producers and. And, uh, yeah. camera operators from you know small stations and stuff but it, there were a lot of them down there like 30,000 people I think well that's good you know that's kind of cool it makes me feel good that our business was represented like that because uh, audio entertainment you know especially now with what you know what you guys are doing and people are doing with the internet and with iTunes podcasting uh, audio entertainment man is just huge yes and uh, I'm so stoked for what you know what's out there for people like ourselves because uh, the bigger it gets the better it is for us absolutely just wanted to ask you a quick question uh, has there ever been a moment because all of us who have been in radio there's been a moment on the air when <laughs> something went incredibly wrong, the audience didn't know it, and you didn't know how to get out of it. Did that Has that ever happened to you, and what was it? Oh, yeah. This, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. This stuff usually happens at the beginning of a person's career. And for me, uh, I was working at a small station in, in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and they had this gigantic automation system. I mean, nowadays it's so easy to, to automate a radio station with just a computer, but back in the day, they had huge reel-to-reel tapes, and really, this was a gigantic system that filled an entire room. It looked like uh, old-school computer-like effects that you see in some of those old sci-fi movies with the reel-to-reel tapes, right. all, all the big, uh, like you know, eight-track cartridges, and, and so <laughs> we we had one of those machines, and the machine did everything, including turn your mic on. So even it was an automated machine most of the time, but then we they did allow for for disc jockeys to break in and, and, and pretend, you know, well, not even pretend, you broke in and you, you basically said, here's that song, here's another song. But I wasn't in charge of my microphone. The machine turned it on, and all I could do was turn it off. But I, that's just what the machine did. The machine would turn it on and let you know, okay, it's time for you to speak. Wow. And so one Sunday, the thing is on, and it's doing what it's doing, and all of a sudden it's supposed to come to me. It doesn't come to me, and it doesn't do anything. So I go into the other room and leave the door to the studio open, and I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with the machine. Unbeknownst to me, when I go out there, it then turns the mic on. <laughs> I still try to push buttons. And it's a Sunday, and this is about 20 years ago, and I start telling this machine what I think of it, what it can do to itself, what it can do to people's children, mothers, dogs. I am screaming trying to get this thing to work. And then finally I turn around and I look in the booth and I see that the on-air light is on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then I get a hotline from the owner of the station (laughs) saying he was just taking his mother to church. Oh, that's beautiful. 
That's priceless, man. All right, our guest today is the one and only BJ Shea. He's the host of the BJ Shea Morning Experience on 99.9 KISW in Seattle. His morning show is uh, 5 to 10 a.m., and you can also hear it streaming on BJ uh, or the KISW website. Is it also streaming off of the uh, BJAday.com? It's, it's actually just KISW.com. That's where it's streaming from. They, they, they host the stream, and that's where we be. Great. Yeah, everybody tune in. And uh, I really appreciate you calling in, BJ. But bef- And before you go, before we let you go, I have to ask you the Big Ten questions. Sure. All right. Well, uh, Big Ten questions for BJ Shea. He's, uh, he's a big uh, hero of ours here in Seattle. BJ, what is your favorite food, my man? My favorite food has to be... I would say paneer, like an Indian paneer curry dish. Oh. Uh, I love it. Yeah, you and my wife would get along. I I shy away from the Indian food, and it really bothers her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and we got some good Indian restaurants here in Seattle. Yes, we do. And she's from Vancouver, and they got good ones up there in Canada, too. Oh, yeah, I bet you. Yeah, Vancouver's got a great Indian section up there, Little India. Okay, BJ, what kind of car are you driving these days? And it's funny because I do advertise for the guy. I'm driving a Hyundai Sonata from Gary Gary. <laughs> Gary Gary, the Hyundai Ferry. <laughs> I should say a Hyundai, me, a Hyundai Santa Fe, not a Sonata, though those Sonatas are nice. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're driving a Santa Fe. I'm driving a Santa Fe. I like me. I, I like my SUVs. My carbon footprint is probably bigger than it should be, but it's a Hyundai. So no, those are good. Those are good. All right. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's your favorite team, sports team? got to be the Boston Red Sox. Yes, that would have been. grew up with it as a kid, and it's in your blood. Anybody who knows New England sports knows that you start a Red Sox fan when they're young, and then it's a sickness that never leaves. Right. Uh, this season, they are horrible so far, and yet I still got a root for them. Yeah, well, they're not any worse than my Astros, so. Astros, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I can appreciate it, bro. You, you, when you go, is it ever going to happen for those? Well, they did get to the World Series once too long ago, but it didn't go well. No, they were, they were swept, but, you know, yeah. Again, diehard Houston fan. I grew up there, so you got to root for him. I can appreciate that. And what was your first paying job ever? First paying job ever was in a supermarket, actually, at 15 years old. I didn't keep it long, but it was my first paying gig. Yeah, that's not bad. you got to start somewhere. Oh, yeah, and customer service, actually, is uh, it really trained, you know, did a lot for me in, in, in what I do now because I'm huge on customer service, and I, I learned that from supermarkets and clothing stores. And so for me, that's been a big part of, I think, why, you know, why we've had some success is because we're really big on customer service. Yeah, yeah, you are. You guys really take care of your fans well uh, with the whole BJ, the Army thing, and uh, freebies and giveaways and listener parties. You guys are really in touch with your fans. I've always appreciated that. Yeah, what- we, uh, I'll tell you. It's the one of the. I mean, we we answer every email. It's not just read every email. Right. We pretty much answer everyone in one shape, way, shape, or form. I mean, I got seven people now that help out. Yeah. But somebody, if they send an email or a Facebook message or a tweet, you, you know, you pretty much it gets read and for the most part it gets answered. Which a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I look at it like, look, man, I, I think people appreciate the fact that they know that you actually read their message and that you may even respond and tell them thanks for listening. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's admirable. I, a lot of people don't do that you get the uh just the sort of uh form email back thanks and you never hear from them okay yeah, you know, bj 
it's funny because that happened to me, and it's a guy that I tried to get together for lunch, a fellow radio person. And I have to tell you, I got the form letter back from the guy. The email address he gave me was the form letter email. And I'm like, wow. Uh, you know, you'd like to think if you know the person, and they go, let's get together for lunch, then when you hit the email, you don't get the reply. Hey, I get thousands of emails. I can't talk to you. I'm like, okay. Well, that's, uh, I feel special right now. Yeah, that would have been an intern doing that, I'm sure. <laughs> BJ, what, uh, I'm probably, uh, album would be the right, what's the first album you bought, or was it a CD? I assume it was an album. No, you're right, it was an album. Uh, it was a 78 album, and I just have to crank the, the record player. Um, <laughs> was, I think it was Boston's More Than a Feeling, which I think for my generation, that probably was a, a first album for a lot of people. Yeah, it was a great album, man. Very yeah. good stuff. Okay, for you, what is a can't-miss TV show right now? Oh, Big Bang Theory. Well, geez, it's tough. It's between that and Doctor Who, but I think I have to give a slight edge to the Big Bang Theory because I have—I just love that show. It's, it's all about geeks. It's all about me, and, <laughs> and the main character, Sheldon, is really so much like me, it's scary. Very nice, yeah. And for me, it would have been Bobby Hill. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? They're both charming individuals. <laughs> yes, all the way around. Hey, uh, what was the last movie you saw? I just saw Kick-Ass again. I actually went out and saw it twice. Um, it's What'd you think of that? I love that movie. I don't know if you saw it, but it's... I haven't I seen it yet, movie. but I know it's getting... Uh, Roger, Roger Ebert really ripped it. And yeah, then... I, you know, I, I, that's surprising to me. I, 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 can, I mean, first of all, he's in the minority because Rotten Tomatoes gives it like a 75%. So I saw that. The minority. Um, and I, I have to think... I, I look at a guy like Roger and go, you know what, dude? This obviously is not a movie for you. I have such a love for superhero movies, and Matthew Vaughn basically took the world of Spider-Man and the world of Kill Bill and the world of Quentin Tarantino and just put it together in an amazing movie, and I'm sorry, but an 11-year-old girl who has the worst mouth on the planet, <laughs> how can that go wrong in any movie? Yeah, I plan on seeing it. I, I did see the Rotten Tomatoes, and that, that swung me the other way, so I, I plan on checking that out. So thanks for the review. What, was the, uh, what was the last concert you attended? Oh, the last concert I attended. Now, that's a tougher question. I'm trying to think what the heck it was. Um, my brain, I think, you know what? I think it was uh, Michael Franti and Spearhead, actually. I, nice. I, I know he wasn't the headliner. You know, it may have been somebody, but I really am a big uh, Michael Franti and Spearhead guy. I've been, I've been digging that guy for a long time. I know recently one of his songs went mainstream, but um, I just, you know, I'm a, my musical tastes drive people crazy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he, he lately is, the, is the, you know, for me, like the flavor of the day. Yeah, uh, which drives Steve, which drives Steve nuts because you know he's a real musical fan and he looks at me like, "What is wrong with you?" But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say I think that might be the last concert I went to if I if uh, that I can remember. Very good. All right. Well, if we're all sitting around and somebody's buying a round of drinks, what's your favorite drink? What are you having? Oh man, you know what? Mine's the Captain and Coke, man. There you go. Nothing wrong with Captain that. Captain and Coke action. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay. And for you, Facebook, MySpace, or Twitter, what's working for you? Um, I would say it's currently, you know, I have to say Twitter. Twitter is probably the most convenient thing out there, uh, probably because I can do it on my phone very easily. It's a great, uh, the apps for Twitter on both my BlackBerry and on my iPod Touch are good. And then Facebook is a, is a close second. Uh, MySpace, unfortunately, I just don't know if people are using that as much anymore. But, I mean, we still do it and we still have our people out there. But I would put in that order, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace. Very good. And now I know you've been up in the Northwest for quite a while. I'm just curious. What is your favorite place in the Northwest for you personally? 
Well, for the longest time, it was Seaside, uh, Oregon. It's been a real cool July 4th spot for my family and I. We go out there, and I just love that you can just go on the beach and just light fireworks, and then they do a big fireworks display out there. And, you know, it's got cool stuff for the kids, and uh, my wife and I both love the ocean. So Seaside, probably in Oregon, I would say, is, is, is my favorite go-to spot in the Pacific Northwest. Very nice. Yeah, that's a lovely spot down there. Well, BJ, I don't want to keep you much. I don't want to keep you any longer because uh, you've been very generous with your time, and I, I hope we can count you as a friend of the show. And we'd love to have you back. Hey, BJ, I'm looking at the guests you had on last week. You had like Cheech and Chong, Ralphie May, Jonah Hill, big names. You guys must have been excited about that. We're very excited about Jonah Hill. When you know, when guys actually left themselves into the studio, uh, you know, somebody at the level of Jonah Hill, it's pretty special. And you know, we went out and checked out the movie that he's in, get it, get him to the Greek. You know, we're, that's another thing that we do. You know, a lot of shows, the guys just, you know, they'll review and they'll actually say they'll interview a lot of people, but they won't know what the they're talking about, or they won't when you go out and see their work. Or, and it really is frustrating to me as a person in the business because I really like if Jonah Hill's going to come to my studio. He's going to come to Seattle and get up early and come to my studio. Damn, i got to do my homework and make sure that I know what he's talking about, know what he's done, be well-versed, uh, because it's special. Uh, and, yeah. I, you know, and I don't know how many guys in my position that do morning radio. I know you appreciate it, bro, because you know what? This is a passion and love for you, obviously. But so many people who are lucky enough to do what I'm doing, what you're doing, for some reason they, they just don't care and don't do their homework and they make our whole industry look bad. And They really do. Um, well, you know what's interesting? Now, you've seen get get him to the greek you actually saw it yeah we got to see it last week and uh another good movie i i, I that one i wasn't sure about that one i thought geez i wonder how this is going to be and russell brand knocked it out of the park jonah it was great uh elizabeth moss who i love in Mad Men, uh she was i that that girl is super sexy to me i, I kind of like <laughs> looking girls and she's she's awesome well a real quick story before you go i got to tell you is i was in vegas last year and it was my last day there and i walked out of uh i think i was staying at the the flamingo or one of those and i thought well, should I go right or left? I only have a few hours left before I have to head to the airport. So I decided to go left, and I walked down to Planet Hollywood, and they were filming Get Him to the Greek. Oh, sweet. So I saw Jonah Hill, Russell Brand, uh, P. Diddy was there. Uh, of course, Aptow was there, and I got to meet them all. It was amazing, because if I had gone right, I would have missed the entire thing. Oh, good for you, bro, because they, they, there were some epic scenes from the Vegas shoot. They, and, and P. Diddy was awesome. That guy did an amazing job in the film, too. Yeah, the scene I saw was where they come running out of the planet Hollywood. They jump in like some black SUV, take off down the street, and P. Diddy comes running out after them. That's the, that, they, they filmed that like a hundred times. Wow, that's a pretty. And I'll tell you, that's a great scene. And I won't. And I won't tell you what happens. <laughs> there's some epic stuff that happens before and after that scene. Yes, but it, it's that's one of P. Diddy's shining moments. And actually, the stuff around that scene. Oh uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. That's great that you saw it, and that's cool you're having him in. And BJ, thank you so much for being on the show. We really, really appreciate it, and we love listening to you in the mornings. It's great that you're on in Seattle, KISW. Uh, we we think of you as as like Mr. Seattle now. You are, you're entrenched here. We're big fans, and it's been a, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on our program. Well, thank you, Big D. My, you know, uh, my pleasure. Big Joe, thank you as well. You know, I mean, guys, it, it, it's, it's cool to talk to people who, you know, do what we do. It's, it's crazy to, you know, get, it, you get together. It's, it's crazy to be with crazy people, and that's <laughs> exactly what we are. Well, if you're ever in Tacoma, man, we'd love to have you in the man cave. And uh, tell Steve thank you for putting this together. He did a lot of work behind the scenes. That was very cool of him. And uh, we, would, we would love to have you in the man cave studio in person. That'd be awesome. 
Uh, thanks, Liam Viper. I appreciate it. All right, BJ, you have a great time and a great day, and we'll be listening every morning, KISW, 5 to 10 a.m. Thank you, sir. All right, man. BJ Shea, what a great time, man. And the guy was total class. What a great human being. Yeah, really good. And, you know, I mean, he was prompt when he called in very very kind very nice and uh, just the utmost in professionalism i also want to thank steve the producer because he was the one working behind the scenes with the emails and everything just to set that all up so thanks steve and we're going to try to get steve in here and hear his side of the story yeah <laughs> all right well it's uh it's almost time to get out of here but we have to do this week in music history now, here's a doctor of rock himself, Big Joe, with This Week in Music History. Yes. Gotta let this roll just a little bit. Sure. I feel like all of a sudden we're on KZOK. <laughs> a southern rock band with a flautus. <laughs> really cool. Been listening to a lot of these guys lately. Uh, miss them a lot. Ironic thing, this is a story about one of the brothers, the Caldwell brothers. Toy Caldwell, he died uh, this week, April 28th, 1980, in a car accident in his hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina. He was only 30 years old. Really? And only 30 years old. Wow. And then they always go so young. And then 13 years later, his brother, uh, died of heart problems, and his brother was the lead singer, uh, yeah. Marshall Tucker. And go back and listen to these guys because these guys were incredible and just had some great stuff. And I, I miss this band a lot. They were amazing musicians, and uh, I think in some ways, I think they kind of got overlooked when they came out because there was a lot of stuff going on at the time. And uh, I mean, they had they were really big in certain pockets, and they were real melodic. I mean, these guys were musicians. Yeah. They had the country roots down, and they were players. And and uh, they, they were just really, really 30 bad. years old, man. 30 that's, years old in a sad. Jeep in your hometown. Yeah. So, well, miss little, him. little irony there. All right. Well, hey, it's been a great show. I want to thank Jonathan Harris for coming on with us. We also want to thank, of course, BJ Shea. And everybody tune into him on 99.9 KISW in the mornings. And uh, he's a good friend of the show. And uh, it's been good to see all you guys. I hope everybody out there has a fantastic week. It is... Uh, it's going to be a great show next week. Little Bill Inglehart's going to join us, along with some other people. And uh, everybody, have a great week, man. This has been the Northwest Convergence Zone. Where all things come together. All right. We're out of here. Saturdays we all hook up and head down to the creek. Coolers in the back are full. Long necks are getting cool. The short rope for the truck pull. Low gears, all you need. Nothing on but a cut off jeans. Hitting flips off an old rope swing. Land wrong and you'll feel the sting. Grab another beer. Tall tails by the firelight. Tank tops on a full moon night. Just loving the live life. That's the way we do it round here. Clear sky. Mattress in a long bed Not a single word was said But she caught on Next day we do it all again Make the rounds collecting friends Trying hard to get it all in
steps off an old rope swing. Land wrong and you'll feel the sting. Grab another beer. Tall tales by the firelight. Tank tops on a full moon night. Just loving to live life. That's the way we do it round here. It's the way we love. It's the way we fight. And stand for what's in our hearts. It's the way we Flips off an old rope swing Land wrong and you'll feel the sting Grab another beer Tall tales by the firelight Tank tops on a full moon night Just loving to live life That's the way we do it round here Tall tales by the firelight Tank tops on a full moon night Just loving to live life That's the way we do it round here This has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.